90s footy fans, welcome to episode 78 of the 90s Club Footy Podcast. This week we caught up with former Essendon and Sydney big man, Ryan O'Connor. Ryan, who hails from Ulverstone, Tasmania, made his way to the Essendon Football Club via the 1991 AFL National Draft, where he was selected with pick 37. Ryan made his senior debut in the 1994 season. He represented the black and red on 63 occasions, kicking 47 goals. At the end of the 1998 season, the 192-centimetre forward received a second chance, playing with the Sydney Swans for a further two seasons, playing 24 games. In this episode, Ryan talks about his apprenticeship in the Bombers Reserves team, his journey starting alongside the names of Mercury, Hurd and Mercedes, his breakout 1995 season, the 1996 Waverley blackout game, playing with the Allies, and being a talent manager in the TAC Cup. I hope you enjoy the 78th member of the 90s Club Footy Podcast, Ryan O'Connor. Ryan O'Connor, thank you for joining me on the 90s Club Footy Podcast. Really looking forward to reminiscing and going down memory lane with you and reflecting on your journey with both the Essendon Bombers and the Sydney Swans. Uh, Thanks, mate. Thanks for having me on. Let's uh, start off with uh, what what are you doing with yourself at the moment? Do you still uh, have some footy involvement? And, and I guess from an employment point of view, what are you what are you doing with yourself at the moment? Yeah, look, no no direct uh, footy involvement other than uh, being on the past players committee at, at the Bombers. Uh, so, um, but I, I am I, I do have a sports role uh, at the moment. So I'm the general manager of sport uh, for Life Saving Victoria. So involved with Surf, surf Life Saving Clubs and. Uh, to, uh, 57 of them across the state, so keeps us busy. But it's it's great to sort of yeah, be involved in, in sport at the grassroots, especially. Fantastic, mate! In the summertime, I dare say, would be one of your busiest times, or even this time now. Obviously, leading up to summertime, getting things prepared for all your life-saving clubs and events and everything that goes on. Mate, it's, it's actually 12 months of the year now, so they have a, a range of uh, winter carnivals, and, and that's uh, based around their IRB uh, racing and, and those types of things. So. Um, it's a pretty jam-packed calendar, and uh, look, you know, with with kids, it does complement. There's a lot of multi-sport kids that are playing basketball and footy and and other things as well. And and yeah, being in the water, being at the surf clubs, uh, sort of fits well with all of that as well. So, um, got a number of high-level high athletes as well that compete uh, and, and sort of move move around Australia, competing at different uh, carnivals and, and and those type of things, and, and even represent Australia. Uh, we've got a few people heading overseas later in the year for some cool championships as well. So. Yeah, we get we get a cool mix of different types of athletes, which is which is good fun to work with. Let's look at your footy journey, Rock. Uh, you were drafted by the Essendon Football Club in the nineteen ninety one draft. I believe that uh, Essendon and Geelong traded picks, obviously in regards to John Barnes joining Geelong, and then obviously the pick went to the Bombers, and they ended up picking you up in that draft. How did you find out you were drafted that particular year? Did you expect to be drafted, and what were your thoughts about going to the Bombers? Oh, mate, look, I, I actually grew up a Essendon supporter, so um, I suppose my earliest memories of the uh, FL footy in some ways was uh, 80, um, 
83, 84, 85. Uh, obviously, 83 uh, against the Hawks wasn't flash, but uh, 84, 85 were back-to-backs. And, um, you know, I was, I was about 10 years old, uh, 9 or 10 at that stage. And uh, my, my dad was a mad bomber. And um, so, I, you know, in, in some ways, you sort of come through and play your junior footy and you uh, do the best you can. And then um, things happen pretty pretty quickly in, in my draft year around um, maybe getting an opportunity and, and coming through. And, at that stage, I was only really playing school football uh, down for a, a private school uh, in Tassie on the northwest coast, and I actually didn't qualify for um, for the draft uh, with the new rules they had set up. So uh, we actually, I had to end up signing with Devonport Footy Club in the TFL at that stage, and trying to sort of work my way through uh, in, into there. So, but yes, my uh, Bombers and Noel Judkins uh, came knocking, and yeah, it was a, it was a, a fun time. You had a lengthy apprenticeship in the Bombers Reserves team before playing your debut game. How important was that for your development? And I guess it was a common thing back in the early 90s as well. We had Anthony, I had Anthony Kutafides on the podcast and he spoke about how he played 50 games in the reserves before he even got an um, opportunity in the seniors. But it was, look, that was just commonplace uh, back then. And, and, and look, I, I probably did uh, have a, a bit of a longer apprenticeship than I would have liked uh, before I got a taste of it. Um, it's definitely not, um, I suppose, what happens these days with smaller list numbers and those type of things. You know, I, I think at that stage, we probably even had a, a supplementary list and, and up to 52 on a list, uh, you know, to, to handle both sides and, and all of that. So, um, yeah, look, I had, had a couple of years there. It was a really good time, though. We sort of, uh, we were very competitive uh, in both grades and, um, obviously, a part of a, a VFL premiership in '92, and um, yeah, and, and around for, for the AFL premiership in '93, and um, so yeah, it was a bit of a magical time. Actually, we just recently had a 30-year uh, reunion for the premiership, and um, uh, it was great fun to see uh, some some of the guys I haven't seen for quite a while, and, and some that I, I see more regularly, but a lot of us uh, a bit older and a bit greyer at this stage. So uh, yeah, but a bit of fun. And I guess too, like when you arrived at the club, mate, obviously there would have been a lot of great big men still floating around. I think, you know, the, you know, the likes of Somerville, Simon Madden. So were they, were they some of the guys that you sort of learned a little bit of the, the ruck craft along with that key position craft as well? Yeah, look, absolutely. And, um, uh, you know, in some ways I, I grew up, as I said, I grew up as a bomber supporter, but, um, you know, I, I probably idolized Simon a, a little bit and, um, I got to play with him. I got to play with Terry. Terry that, that VFL premiership was Terry's last game. He kicked seven at the G uh, in that. Um, you know, I, I also got to play on Dermy, who I, I loved growing up as well. So, um, yeah, it's, it's interesting times when you sort of come to a club. I, I can remember my first night at Windy Hill um, getting to meet Fish and um, Gavin Wanganeen and, and those type of things. And I could hardly kick a ball. Uh, I could hardly <laughs> drop it on my foot straight. Uh, you know, so going from being a a supporter to um, you know training and, and uh, playing with them, and um, yeah, it, it becomes real pretty quick. You speak about that '92 flag, and obviously that was when the reserves were still the AFL reserves, and you got to play on Grand Final day, and you won the premiership. Danaher's last game, but also too in that side, and I think it was probably a good lead up into the '93 season, the year of the Baby Bombers. James Hurd, David Grenvold, Mark McCurry, Steve Alessio, Joe Mercedi. Um, what a great crew to be running around with and, and a great premiership win. Yeah, look, um, magic, magic, as I said, look, magic time and some really lifelong friends and um, some amazing, amazing players. And I suppose the, the culture around the club at that stage was we, we felt we went out, could go out and win any game. And, um, 
you know, I suppose we went about it in, in, in that way. And, um, yeah, so it was, it was really good fun. I actually caught up with Shawnee Denham at the, the reunion and Shawnee Denham got knocked out in that 92 grand final and I had to come back during the week to find his car because he couldn't actually he couldn't remember where to, where to actually get it to, to drive it home. But, um, yeah, and obviously Shawnee went on and had the great clash uh, with Diesel uh, in the 93. So, uh, um, yeah, he's a, a ripper little fella, Shawnee Denham. Forward line looking very potent for Essendon. Cummings, who's had success at full forward, but invariably has been moved away. Alessio gets it down. Mercedes, who's been a key player, gets it across to Doolan. Sends it high. O'Connor behind almost till he goes. Goal! Like a barge. Ryan O'Connor, his second. Your debut finally came in 1994, Ryan. Uh, can you recall how you were told by Sheeds or one of the coaching staff? And can you remember much about your first game against the Almighty Hawks? Yeah, actually, it was at Waverley. I think I kicked a couple and um, I got a bit of a surprise. I'd been in the best players in, at the reserves level for a number of weeks and, and I thought I was, I was probably I was thinking, oh, gee, am I going to get a go or not? And um, I'd actually been home to visit family and uh, all of a sudden, uh, yeah, she sort of said, look, you, you've got a chance. So uh, I, I went and, uh, yeah, had a, had a reasonable hit out and kicked a couple and uh, enjoyed it. And um, then I think had had another a couple of weeks out uh, and then came back in for a Geelong game uh, that year and uh, we played, played at the G. And, um, yeah, so sort of enjoyed the first couple. What was it like playing at Waverley? I guess, you know, for the modern-day football supporter, we sort of forget about Waverley being a venue, just obviously because it's non-existent anymore. What was it like playing at Waverley, way out southeastern parts of Melbourne? Yeah, look, it, it's an interesting one. There used to be a massive ground, and, um, uh, yeah, we, I suppose you, you did enjoy the trip. It was um, an interesting one for me as well, because I, I suppose I played my first game for the Bombers out there too, was, uh, under Dennis Pagan uh, in uh, in 92. So, uh, yeah, it's, in, it's interesting that it's just a training venue now, and it's got a lot of homes built around it, and it, it's not it's not the venue uh, you know of a, a range of other stadiums, but um, it was great to go out there and um, uh, you know be involved in things. And yeah, we look we had a number of finals later on. I think we had a West Coast final out there at Waverley as well, and and a range of other things uh, as memories. So hmm. after a small taste in '94, you became a regular fixture in that 1995 side. I think you played 18 or 19 games. What was the catalyst behind your emergence that season? Was it just that opportunity you got late in 1994 and you really took it and worked hard in that pre-season? Yeah, look, I think so, man. And it, it's just, I suppose, you find your feet a little bit and you get used in a range of roles. And um, I suppose in some ways, um, I, I wasn't a, a big ruckman uh, by any stretch of the imagination, you know, struggling to be 6'4", but um, uh, probably played a little bit more key position. But um I think in some ways that that was a strength. I could play a number of roles, but in, in other ways it was probably a little bit of a uh, a burden too towards the end. In that um, I, I probably didn't nail down a set position, uh, so to speak. So um, yeah, in, in looking at it, but yeah, 95, 96, and sort of stepping through there was um, a, a good little patch for us and, um, and and a bit of fun. Although I did run into a couple of injuries, but uh, that that sort of comes your way with uh, with, with top level footy. And 95, I guess you played some big matches as well. And I guess none bigger than that first Anzac Day game at the MCG. Huge crowd. And, you know, who would have thought the result was going to be a draw? Um, what was it like being a part of that special moment, being a momentous day of Australian history, but also, too, to run out in front of so many, uh, you know, mad Essendon and Collingwood supporters? 
Yeah, actually, I forget the exact number. I, I think it was in excess of ninety four or ninety five thousand, um, and it was it was a little bit surreal. I can remember the weather. Um, it, it almost was a little bit hazy. It was one of those days where it was crystal clear, but it was that time of year, and there was just like an aura over the ground. And um, as a, I suppose, as a, a sense of theatre, Sheeds has come up with a number of these games that you know represent something and. To, to almost feel like you're a part of representing not only your club but um, also have a, an attachment to representing your country on a special day it was um, yeah it was it was, it was pretty uh, pretty important for us and um, yeah as a draw um, horrible <laughs> horrible to play in a draw we actually played in two we had we had a draw with Richmond in '95 as well but uh, um, yeah it, it sort of leaves you a little bit neither here nor there it's uh, an interesting one. I was watching a little bit of uh, highlights of that Richmond game, and I reckon you must have kicked a late, late goal to uh, to give the the Bombers a lead, and obviously the Tigers kicked another one and, and evened it up. So must have been nice to be playing in those big matches, though. And I guess you know playing with Essendon was there a lot of expectation being a powerful club to to perform to always perform well. Yeah, look, I think it, it comes with a, a part of the psyche, and and it's an interesting one in terms of um, whether you you either have that or you don't and there's that self-belief and, and you know I, I think I sort of mentioned before I, I thought that we went out and we thought we could mix it up with anyone on any given day and um, you know you might have better days than others but uh, in any given uh, contest that you had you had the opportunity to win and you were more more than likely going to end up on top so uh, um, I, I thought that that's how we went to play and uh, you know at the very at the very worst we were going to be bloody hard to, to play against and uh, make, make someone earn it so um, yeah, look. Hopefully, hopefully this uh, current side can uh, sort of tap into a little bit of that, and you know I know they've made some strides uh, so far this season, but uh, hopefully they can finish the year off really well and uh, sort of get back to uh, where, maybe where, where some of these teams were uh, a little while ago. Still on ninety five, as I said, it was a huge year for you. Obviously, playing you know so many games and playing in some of the big games, but you also got to represent the Allies uh, in State of Origin football, and I guess State of Origin football was sort of slowly, uh, you know, easing away from us um, in those latter sort of couple of years. But that year, you beat WA and you also won the the best on ground medal for the Allies, the Allies, Alex Jezelinko medal. Um, that must have been a great day and you must reflect pretty fondly on that opportunity that you got. Mate, it was actually good fun. Um, we got to spend a fair bit of time with Jezza uh, in the lead up to that uh, in terms of, because uh, Jezza's from Canberra, I believe. So um, Jezza was sort of involved with the lead up and, I think we even end up having a steak with him at Barash's pub. And um, I, I didn't go much on the uniform, mate. It didn't go too well with my hand. That uh, <laughs> sort of back was sort of green. But, uh, yeah, look, it was, it was great fun. And, look, I, to, to play with the likes of Paul Kelly and, and Nathan Buckley, Madge McLean, um, you know, just some unbelievable players to play with. Um, yeah, aside from going over to WA and, and doing all right, it was, um, yeah, it was, it was really good to sort of uh, rub shoulders with those type of guys. Well, you're sad to see it sort of slowly dwindle away, state of origin, because I guess it was a big thing, sort of mid-90s, and then as we got towards the, the 2000s, it just sort of died a death, really, didn't it? Yeah, look, it's, it's an interesting one in terms of, as I said, representing your colours or your state or, or those type of things. I, I think it's nice to have. Um, in a truly national game, I, I suppose it's, it's, it's going to be really interesting to see how the Tassie side does coming in. Um, I would have loved to have had that as a, a young fella, and... and probably have a, a more direct pathway, but I suppose in, in, in the end, I probably wouldn't have got the chance to play for the Bombers like I did, but 
Um, yeah, look, it's an interesting one. I, I really enjoy going and playing at at, at that uh, added level, and there was a another sort of step up in in terms of things. And and whether you equate it to maybe playing at finals level footy when you go and play at uh, that state of origin level, it, it sort of definitely does step up. And um, yeah, the, the the ilk of the players you're sort of running around with is is uh, that that little bit better too across the board. Prize rebound, very good to Danaher. Can attack the goal face here. O'Connor in, Simons the targets. Simons to get a reasonable bounce, so it was a oh. difficult one in the conditions. Missed badly though by Fuster. O'Connor goes back. McCurry's handball is good. Fraser gives it to O'Connor. Should kick the goal. Bends it round and does. I'm really interested in your thoughts on this one. So obviously that year in 95, you guys played two finals. Um, from your point of view, obviously, how much difference is it playing a regular home and away season match to a final? You know, obviously, from a, a spectator's point of view, the ball gets moved a little bit quicker and, uh, you know, you see the players burrowing in a lot harder and, uh, you know, you know, moving a lot harder and so forth. From a playing point of view, is there much difference from a home and away game to then that season, that sort of season ending games of the finals? Yeah, look, I, and, and I, I have to say, I, I probably didn't get to play in a lot of finals. I got, I got to play probably more state of origin games than I did play to play finals during that time. But because um, I, I missed '96 uh, with a, a tall spleen, but um, uh, yeah, they definitely does step up. I, I think you can play your game between your ears a little bit too much at times, and people can sort of talk themselves out of it. And it's maybe the side that can settle best and um, sort of get about their business and. Um, yeah, and probably the side that's the most efficient. Um, look, I, I think the games back then were maybe a little bit more physical. Um, we definitely didn't run up, run as much, but um, it was probably a bit more contested at some stages. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it's definitely one where it does it goes up a notch. It means a little bit more, and and I suppose people put themselves on the line even even that bit more, and and uh, yeah, go about it in a harder way. One of the unusual games you would have been involved in was in 1996 when uh, the blackout occurred at Waverley Park, um, obviously late <laughs> in that third term. And I've had Gary O'Donnell on the potty as well. And, um, you know, he was pretty vocal about it at that current time in 1996 as a skipper. What can you recall from that night and how impressed were you that you had to go back on that Tuesday night? You know, teams could be altered a little bit to, uh, to, re- to finish it off, I guess. I think, mate, I think the Players Association negotiated double matches for us, mate. So um, <laughs> it was probably 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 something decent at that stage. But uh, look, it was, it was an interesting one. I actually ended up with the footy in my hands uh, when the lights went out. Actually, I was having a shot at goal. So um, I, actually, I don't know whether they could call it a goal or a point because uh, the lights were out. But um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, actually, that, the crowd sort of went off a bit too. They burnt the posts and they did a, did a few things that night. But... Um, yeah, I suppose we saw during the year that the lights went out again um, in, a, in a certain circumstance uh, at a game. It sort of, yeah, it sort of brought, brought back all of those memories uh, from that time. But um, yeah, I didn't mind turning up again. It was was an interesting one. Although I, I think Big Stewie Lowe caught me with an elbow <laughs> in the second match, and I, I was actually a bit crook for a couple of days <laughs> after that. So anyway, that's the way it goes. And I reckon you break blokes brought in James Hurd too. I don't reckon he played in the original game, and then Hurdy come back in. If you correct me if I'm wrong. We might, we might have needed it at that stage, mate. He's a fair inclusion, so yeah, all, all good. <laughs> now, I want to ask you, you played a lot of forward, but you also, also used in the ruck um, at times as well. Who were some of the harder ruckmen that you had to negate when you had the chance to run on the ball and restrict their influence? Because I guess the 90s, like 
I'm thinking Steins, Wine, Johnny Barnes, um, no, Greg Deer. There were so many great ruckmen that were in the competition. Yeah, and look, in some ways I probably came on to pinch hit if Summer wasn't, uh, you know, Summer needed a rest or those type of things or, or Big Cesar or, or those uh, type of guys. But um, look, I probably had a couple of decent tussles with Big Monkey and had a couple of Anzac Day games against him and uh, we had Big Spider Everett as well. And um, So there, there was lots of different styles of players to play against um, and, and whether they were accumulators of the footy or, or got forward themselves, you know, different ways of going about it. But um, yeah, it was it was an interesting one in terms trying, in terms of trying to use technique or um, trying to outstrength someone rather than uh, just having a pure leap or, or those type of things. Because yeah, I, I didn't get that far off the ground all that often, so um, I had to use other things to uh, help me help me sort of in the contest. How do you think you would have gone in the current day? Obviously, the ruck technique and the I guess the rucking roles changed a lot. And you look at the stats with hit outs and so forth. Um, you know, taps to advantage and so forth. How much? It, how much has it changed? Do you think from when you played in the current day? And how do you reckon you would go running around now? Oh, mate! Look, like anything, at any stage of footy, it's a lot easier looking at it and telling people what you think you could have done. <laughs> um, so, uh, um, I, I don't envy look, uh, people, you know, being out there on the ground and, and having to react in in the minute. Um, you know, having a fair bit to do with coaching and bringing young fellas through to the level as well, um, uh, you know, helping helping people sort of carry it out on game day, especially with rule changes, um, you know, nominating in the ruck and even third man up not happening, you know, interesting ruck sort of uh, change, rule changes. I, I sort of scratch my head at it in, in a number of ways. But, um, yeah, look, it, it is an interesting one in terms of just pure, pure ruck work. Um, I, I probably... Um, yeah, ha- ha- having a look at it now, I don't know whether it would have suited me suited me that much. I, I probably would have invited playing forward, you know, with no chopping of the arms. Once once you get yeah. front spot and you can initiate some contact, if you can sort of uh, use your body and, and protect the drop of the ball, you probably probably would have got a few few other ones. But then again, mate, we were fairly physical and chopped arms, and and probably like Gary Perth, knock people off the line of the ball. And <laughs> I'm not sure whether that I'm not sure whether that'd be allowed now um, in, in terms of today's footy, and uh, whether that type of con- uh, contact would be be permitted. So it's interesting, one, isn't it? It is. It is. Hey, mate, you play with a lot of superstars at the Bombers. I, I look at the list and I think, gee whiz, like how lucky you to run around with so many great players. James Her- James Hurd's one that really interests me. Um, he joined the Bombers in 1992 or played his first sort of, you know, played in that reserves flag with you. From day dot, did you always feel like he was going to be a special player and a superstar and turn out to the player he was? Um, look, there was always something about Herdy. It, it's interesting, but, that, you know, I sort of mentioned before there was a bit of a feeling around that group, um, you know, and, and whether it was a Mercs or, you know, other guys like that as well that, that are just magic players. Um they do have that special bit of something, but you know, Herdy always had an ability to prepare himself incredibly well, and um, sort of went about his his business as a professional footballer. I think far before um, maybe others took up that professional mantle as well, and I think that enabled him to actually make the most of his his his, his uh, quite excessive talent, um, and, and was probably the making of him overall. But yeah, you probably don't, uh, especially given some of the injuries he had to sort of deal with. You don't realise the longevity mm. and the breadth of how uh, his career was sort of going to pan out, and I, and I suppose that that's what makes a champion. They don't only just produce it for one season or so; it's it's over their entire career. And you know, in some ways, they 
they handle the ups and downs that injuries sort of throw at them. And um, yeah, he, he certainly had an amazing career, didn't he? He was a superstar, James Heard. Yeah, great to watch. Hey, during the 90s, we saw a few players wear the glove, you being one of those players. Did you have any particular reason why you wore it? Was it just to maybe for the ball to stick a bit better? Did you, were you carrying out like a, an injury on one of your hands that you wore the glove on? or I had a plate and seven screws put in a hand uh, at one stage and, and, and needed to try and back up with a with a, an open sort of a, an operation <laughs> or a pitches. So, uh, yeah, we sort of covered that up a little bit, but... Um, you sort of went, sort of didn't mind the idea of having the glove after that in the hand, but sometimes too it actually affects your your, your touch on the ball and, and how you drop the ball too. So it's a, it's an interesting one in sort of uh, trying to get an advantage maybe in marking um, or ball handling, and then actually being able to you know uh, use it when you're, you're actually kicking or dropping the ball as well. So um, you probably can uh, get as much deterrent from it uh, as anything else. After your time at the Bombers, Rock, you made your way to the Sydney Swans for a few seasons. What prompted the move to the Harbour City? Oh, mate, look, I, I think at that stage I was probably looking for a few more opportunities. I, I spoke before about maybe playing a number of different roles, but not probably being able to lock down a, a, a set role, if that makes sense. And I thought I might be able to do that up at, at Sydney as, as centre-half forward or centre-half back. And um, yeah, I had a couple of really good years uh, or, or fun years up there. And got to play in some uh, reasonable games. I got to play uh, uh, in Plugger's uh, game where he, he kicked the record-breaking goals. and um, So, yeah, it was, it was an interesting one, but also probably a little bit bittersweet for me um, having to, you know, line up and play against the Bombers at times and, and those types of things. And uh, ended up playing a final, actually, for, for the Swans against the Bombers uh, at the G, uh, uh, which was an interesting one too. So, yeah, we're probably a little bit bittersweet in some ways, but I, I really enjoyed my time up with the Sydney people. They're, they're, they're a great club and um, enjoyed uh, enjoy catching up with the Swanee boys too. I guess being interstate, how much did, was there much difference in the way that the football clubs were run? Obviously, Essendon, you know, one of the uh, you know the powerful clubs and one of the original clubs in the the old VFL in comparison to the Sydney Swans, who obviously interstate and probably football was not the the first sport up there. Uh, in regards to rugby and so forth. So, you know, was there much difference in the way that the the organisations were run both on-field and off-field? Um, maybe in, in slightly different ways. I think it just gets down to the, the microscope being on you. It's just, it, it can be, it, it isn't on you as much in Sydney because of the, one, at times there's not an emphasis on sport in New South Wales and two, there is the rugby factor and, and those types of things. So you can get down to Maroubra Beach and, um, have a surf and, uh, you know, you can actually distance yourself from if things aren't going uh, as well. Whereas in, in Melbourne, in the fishbowl, uh, you know, uh, you know, there's, there's probably um, not a way to escape that. And then the hype for each season, you know, I found in Sydney, the season was almost upon you. Um, whereas in Melbourne, you know, there's that anticipation and the build up around town and um, how people sort of, uh, it, it sort of, extends a little bit at either end uh, in terms of the build-up and uh, uh, the atmosphere, but um, and, and that can be good and bad uh, when you're going well or, or when you're not. So, um, yeah, it, it's, it's an interesting way to sort of look at it. I know for big fellas like uh, t- uh, Tony Lockett and, and maybe Paul Kelly, who uh, probably uh, had that microscope even more in the press and those types of things, they really enjoyed it. Um, but, um, yeah, in terms of overall preparation, I probably... I probably enjoyed just the pure footy down here and, and maybe that's sort of aligned with me growing up and, and how I saw the Bombers as well, mate, in, in that way. Gets it back to Callaway, feeds it off to Knights. It's caught to wild hand pass, but it finds Charles across half-back. 
It's a throw, and I think, Terry, you agree with it. Yeah, I really can't have those ones over the top of the head. O'Connor, great kick into the path of Cummings down there, but a whistle and 50. It's all happening at the Melbourne Cricket Ground. Knights is still pleading his case. I'm not sure it wasn't knocked away from him, though, by O'Connor, was it? Well, doesn't matter. Well, it does, I suppose. O'Connor's got the ball about 15 metres out. I've never seen an umpire change his decision. Certainly not. <laughs> O'Connor's been lively so far. It's in our board. A wide-bodied player. The lead is 10 points. Now it's 16. A role you held after your football career was uh, finished in the AFL was the talent manager's role at the Sandringham Dragons in the TAC Cup, now the Coates Higher League. How did you enjoy that role and that experience, mate, and working with, I guess, the next generation of AFL footballers? Yeah, look, absolutely loved it. And um, sort of uh, having an ability to sort of help people go through that stage or, or young players, both boys and girls in the end. Um, we end up having the, the first um, female pick in the draft with Izzy Huntington um, come through the Dragons as well. But I think over that time, you know, probably had a, a hand in, you know, in excess of 60 people get an opportunity at the next level. And we probably, you know, each year you probably have 140 um, uh, kids that probably come and start pre-season. And there might be overall from, you know, the, the junior age groups within your region, you probably have touch points with about a thousand families. And um, so there's, there's a lot of, there's, I suppose each year, if you get six drafted, there's a lot of people that don't get drafted too. So you can have an impact on a hell of a lot of people and, mm. and help them to get a balance between, I suppose, their preparations at, at uni and uh, for uni uh, with their schooling and, and, and also a balance with their family life and, and try to give them the best platform to adulthood and, um, and hopefully, you know, stepping up to the highest level and, and making uh, a fist of it at AFL level, but um, also possibly preparing them if they don't to maybe make the best of it at VFL level and, and uh, sort of go on with life. But, um, look, there was a couple of special touch points. I suppose I, I, I was lucky enough to have Zach Merritt um, come through the Dragons, and he's a captain of the Bombers now, and um, also a number one draft pick in Andy McGrath. And, um, so they look, and that, that was sort of nice to have an involvement and send, send some players uh, directly to, to, I suppose, what I, I consider to be my club. But, you know, I've got a number of boys up at the Swannies and in some ways I follow each of the kids and families that we had an involvement with at, at all of the clubs. So um, it, it's an interesting one of a, of a weekend now in terms of my allegiances, but um, it is great to sort of see them forging their way and, and, and sort of going about hopefully some of them stepping up to be as uh, anywhere near as good as a Herdy or uh, uh, those type of players that I end up playing with there. Ah, some great stories there, mate. And Zachy Merritt's one of my favourites too, obviously being from the Hampton region. Zachy's obviously originally from Cobden. So to see him play his 200th game a few weeks ago and, and leading the Bombers, Bombers um, is an exceptional talent and exceptional human being as well. Yeah, look, their, their whole family's uh, fabulous. And um, Zachy came down to Melbourne Grammar and um, sort of tied into the Dragons in that way. and. Um, but yeah, their, their whole family is just fantastic, and and look what he's done and how driven he is. Um, it, the Bombers certainly didn't salute against the Cats down down the road uh, on his two hundredth, uh, which wasn't too great. But 
Um, look, how he's been able to sort of tie his 200 games together, um, the way he goes about his footy, and I think he's taken it to another level as captain too. So I've only got admiration and, and really proud, uh, proud for him So or, and of him. Um, and look, the, the same can be said with a number of other guys. We've got, um, you know, I've had a bit to do with young Timmy Taranto, the, the Brayshaw brothers, um, young Joshy Kelly. Um, so the list goes on. Braden <laughs> Maynard, who's at the fire. So, um, look, it's, it's an interesting sort of see how they go about their footy and, and what they, they bring. It's, um, yeah, it's nice to see them play and you sort of do feel like you've got a little bit of yourself out there with them uh, as they're running around. Yeah, what a connection. What a, what a list, mate. You could make a, uh, a beautiful uh, starty 18 with some of those names that you've just mentioned. Yeah, no, look, it's, it's, not, it's not a bad list uh, there from uh, from the Dragons. It sort of was a, um, a very good region and um, we, we had some great people involved with the program and um, I suppose we, you go about it trying to build a pathway and, and, and build a club-type atmosphere to you know enable the kids to sort of handle their school footy and local footy and, and, and their pathway footy uh, on their way through. So, yeah, some, some really good good kids. And, um, yeah, I suppose a number of kids like Zachy are, are doing very well, uh, very nice at the moment. Hey, Rock, at the end of the podcast, I usually give a couple of quick handball questions to my guests. So I'm going to give you four names, uh, ex-teammates that you play with both at the Bombers and the Swans. I want you to share just one word about each teammate. So the first one for the Bombers is one of my favourites, Shea Cockatoo Collins. <laughs> uh, funny and different, the cocky. What about Michael Simons, the number, number 12? I used to love him. He was another glove wearer as well. He was the pickle. Um, unbelievably athletic and didn't mind uh, a bit of shenanigans on and off the field. Uh, you spoke about this boat very briefly, Sean Denham. Uh, look, Awesome, awesome uh, man. We, we, we knew, though, that the Denims come any uh, uh, pleasant Sunday or any uh, club uh, function that the Denims would end up fighting themselves after a couple of beers. So uh, <laughs> they, they, didn't, they weren't backward in coming forward, the Denims. <laughs> and I'll go to Sydney. Uh, the current Adelaide Crows coach, Matty Nix. Oh, yeah. Nixie's, it's been good to see him sort of step up and, and actually it's been good to see some of the boys come on and, and do incredibly well like Damien Hardwick and, and those type of things but um, yeah, Nixie um, yeah, he's a bit simply smooth, he's a bit of a good operator and it's, it's been interesting to sort of see the Crows turn it around a bit so um, yeah, hopefully he does, uh, it does really well over there. Who was your hardest opponent whether it was playing in the forward line or playing in the ruck, well, who was the hardest? Uh, mate, look, Hardest opponent. Look, I, I, I got a. I was lucky enough to have a couple of chances to uh, run around for a couple of quarters uh, on on Wayne Carey, but um, at different stages, I, I played in games where Gary Ablett. I've never got to play directly on Gary, but um, yeah, your hardest opponent. It's, it's an interesting one when it, when it comes to that. I, I suppose it probably does depend on on the position you're playing at the time, but um, yeah. I'll probably say I'm a bit of a, yeah, maybe about claims of fame that you get to play a quarter on dark or here or there. But, yeah. but anyway, we'll see how we go. Best character. Who was the one that you loved having a beer with? A few shenanigans, as you said before, with like someone like Michael Somers. Who was the one that sort of uh, you enjoyed having that company with off-field? Oh, mate, probably that whole crew at that stage. It was, it was probably a little bit more social. And, and I would have to say that we probably weren't as stringent around our professionalism um, <laughs> come post-game of a Saturday night and um, the boys currently could probably teach us a thing or two about how to, how to go about it. But um, uh, look, we, we, that, that crew was um, a, a really good bunch of blokes and, you know, whether it was uh, kicking back with Derek Kickett or, or Longy or 
um, you know, the, the boys in, in that way. Um, Longy would always have it in, in fits of laughter and, and those type of things. But um, no, I, I, I had some um, really good uh, close mates with that. And I've, I've got my, my, best, my best man who played only a few games at that stage, but Rob Stevenson, um, who I, I'm still very close with. But um, I, I definitely enjoyed a couple of beers with Steve, though, that's for sure. And mate, the last one, your nickname preference, you were known as The Rock, but also Rhino as well. Which one did you prefer? Oh, I probably didn't mind either, mate. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I haven't got really a preference in all of that. Ryan O'Connor, thank you so much for joining me on the 90s Club Footy Podcast, mate. Great to go down memory lane with you, and I really appreciate your time. Uh, good, mate. It was a bit, a bit of fun. A uh, few things I haven't thought of for a while, so hopefully I didn't waffle on. But uh, no, I appreciate your time too, mate. Thank you. Four goals in eight minutes to the Bombers. Richardson in ruck, couldn't do anything. Patterson's short kick goes straight to Somerville. He gives it to Hardwick. Here they go again, down towards the half-forward line. Pulling it a one-hand of the Rhino, O'Connor. Once again, a classic take out of the middle of the MCG. And if you go straight down the corridor, it puts so much pressure on the defenders that if the kick's accurate, you've almost got zero opportunity to defend it. Once again, a smother, Hardwick coming directly down the middle of the ground and a great individual effort there by Ryan O'Connor. This for his first for the day, but more importantly, the seventh for Essendon. Five in nine minutes. They've done it. This is almost getting a bit out of hand. That's the end of episode number 78. If you've missed any previous episodes, you can catch them all on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Amazon Music. We're on all the social media platforms, so drop us a line on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter on any particular episode you've enjoyed or a guest you would love to hear. Next week, our guest is former AFL CEO Cameron Schwab. It's tough, it's rugged, it's good, solid AFL football. 